Welcome, and thanks for joining our Restoration Church podcast. Stay tuned for today's sermon. Enjoy, and God bless. Y'all ready for the word? (laughs) I'm ready to give it to you. Okay, so for three billion people, The birth of Christ is one of the most important celebrations of the entire year. In churches across the country, all across this planet, people gather to worship the child who became the savior of the world. In many of those three billion homes, you will find a little manger scene set up. Anybody have one of those? Show me your hands. Do you have a little manger, a little nativity scene? I love that. You know, you will find a grouping of figurines with Mary and Joseph, and you will find Jesus, and you'll see some angels, and typically you'll see a few shepherds and a few creatures, and you'll see the wise men. When you think about that scene, it makes sense that Mary and Joseph would be there because, hey, they're the parents. Thank you, love. And having the angels there makes sense because they're the messengers of God Almighty. The shepherds are there because they were invited by the angel. Everybody there makes sense except, well, a man bumped into a department store Santa Claus. This one had no cotton whiskers. He didn't have a red jacket on. As a matter of fact, he was a she. She looked like Santa Claus because she was completely bogged down with packages. You see, she had them for her husband and her children and her parents and her neighbors, and it just went on and on and on. And she had so many she could hardly walk, and the man bumped into her, and everything hit the floor. So, mm-hmm, you know the crowd I'm talking about. Everything hit the floor. And as the man bent over to pick up the packages and put them in her arms, she said, I hate Christmas anyway. It turns everything upside down, she said. Well, it certainly does, at least in the visit of the wise men. What a story. We have a king defeated by a baby. We have a throne overthrown by a manger. We have power drained of its strength by weakness, craftiness outsmarted by innocence. We have ambition ambushed by selflessness. Tonight, I'm not going to talk to you about the typical Christmas story because you've heard it a dozen times. I'm going to bring you something from a little bit of a different perspective, if that's okay. I'm going to be talking to you tonight about three men and a toddler. Look at your neighbor and say, did she say three men and a toddler? Well, I believe she did. Three men and a toddler. Are you sure? Father, we thank you for this night. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you would come down and kiss this sanctuary with your presence. Oh, we are honored by the presence of you in this house. Father, we thank you for your son. Jesus, we thank you for the cross. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We celebrate you in this house today. Sir, I pray you would hide me behind your anointing and that your words would be heard and not mine. I'm going to follow you wherever you go tonight. Holy Spirit, guide me, I pray. In Jesus' name. 
Amen. I want to start out tonight. I want to ask you a couple of quick questions. You ready? It's not a test, but if you have the answer, I want you to raise your hand really fast, okay? Okay, it's kind of a competition. You ready? You ready? Okay, here's the first one. How did Mary and Joseph travel to Bethlehem? By camel, they walked. By donkey, Joseph walked. Mary rode a donkey. Show me first. Who says he wrote, they rode a camel? All right, they walked. How about the donkey? Okay, does anybody think that Joseph walked, Mary rode the donkey? Is that, you think that's it? Perfect, I love that. Okay, here's the second one. So basically, that's the answer that we have, okay? Here's the, that's what we think. Here's the second one. Which animals did the Bible say were present at Jesus' birth? Watch this. Cows, sheep, and goats. Remember that. Cows, donkeys, and sheep. Sheep and goats only. None of the above. Tell me what you think. You ready? How many people think cows, sheep, and goats? Raise your hand really fast. Okay. Who thinks cows, donkeys, and sheep? Hi. Okay. Who thinks sheep and goats only? A couple? Let me see. What about E? I don't have a clue. How about I don't have a clue? All right. All right. All right. Here's the last one. You ready? I'm going somewhere. Hang on a minute. All right, here's the last one. Baby Jesus cried when the doctor spanked him on the behind. <laughs> or did he cry when the little drummer boy started banging on the drum? Or did he cry like other babies cry? Or did he not cry at all? Show me. Did he cry at all? Show me if you think he cried. Show me if you don't think he cried at all. All right, I'm going to come back to this in just a minute, okay? This is very important. You, I know it seems silly. It's significant. Hold on to it, okay? We're going to come back to it. You're not allowed to answer, Kim. Okay, here we go. Matthew 2.1. You ready? Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. I want to tell you very quickly about Bethlehem. It is where he was born. It is a little town six miles south of Jerusalem. It, is, it was once called, you may not know this, Ephrata. Did you know that? Ephrata. Then the name was changed to Bethlehem, meaning house of bread. Because it was a fertile countryside in which they were able to produce, what did they produce? Wheat. Why? So they could make bread. House of bread. Okay. The town of Bethlehem rests on top of gray limestone. The ridge is more than 2,500 feet high. Get a visual. The ridge has a summit at each end like this. It looks like a saddle in the middle. Okay? It looks like a town set in an amphitheater. That's where it is. Now, Bethlehem, that is where Jacob buried Rachel. And he set up a pillar by her grave. It is also where Ruth lived when she met who? Boaz. She could sit there and see her homeland, which was what? Moab. 
This is also David's city, and the Messiah was to be born there. Bethlehem is very important, okay? But the wise men didn't go to Bethlehem. If you got a Christmas card this year and it has the wise men at the manger, tear it up. (laughs) They never were. They never were there. How do I know that? Back to the story. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the days of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men. Who says they're wise? What makes them wise? See, I don't just read that and go, oh, they're wise. No. Why are they wise? There's a reason that's in there, okay? Why are they wise? Because I don't know if they're wise at all. But they must be because he says they are. So why are they wise? They were astrologers. Now, they studied the stars and their meanings. So that is the only reason that they are called wise. There's nothing else. They're really influential, powerful men. Okay, If you see that, tear it up. If you see three men on camels with crowns on their head, tear it up. Don't spend your money. They weren't kings. There's no evidence they were kings. They're men. Oh, influential men. There's no proof that they were kings. Hmm. They're also called, what are they called? Magi. That is a word that is very difficult to translate. Very difficult. But let me tell you, we get our word, magic, and magician. These men were from the east. Probably Persia is what we believe. Guess what that means? They are not Jewish. They're Gentiles. You need to hold that thought for just a moment. Okay? Nobody talks about that. They're not Jews. What are they doing? Looking for the king of the Jews. Well, I'm glad you asked. These men were from the east, Persia. And they came to Jerusalem and they said, Who? Where? Where is he? This baby, where is he? You know, the one that's king of the Jews, where is he? They said, they didn't know where he was. And they said, for we saw a star in the east. When it rose and we've come to worship him. Not only are there natural forces working here and biblical and prophetic forces There's supernatural signs happening. They are saying amongst themselves, is this him? Do you think this is him? Oh, they're way too cool for that. Do you think this is him? Do you think this is the king of the Jews? Could it be the Messiah that Daniel spoke of? Oh, Daniel. Ladies, there are two possible responses to the arrival 
of this child. One comes from John 1.11 and it says, He came into his own and his own received him not. Or the other response. Those who were not his people, who came from afar to worship him, they rejoiced with great joy. These are the only two options and there is no middle ground. Either you receive him as king of the Jews or you don't. No middle ground. And these men, they came to worship what they didn't even understand yet. They're Gentiles. Verse 3 says, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Now, the word is not really troubled. Disturbed is a very kind word. Let me tell you what the real word is translated right there. It says that Herod was terrified. He was terrified. He was terrified in all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. You need to see what's happening here. Why would Herod be terrified? Have you ever thought about that? Even if you didn't know the word was terrified and you thought the word was troubled, why on earth was he troubled? I'm going to tell you why he was troubled. Because he had secured a title from himself as king of the Jews from Augustus Caesar. Did I tell you that he was not a Jew? He had received a title, a man-made title, and he didn't have the anointing. He didn't have the pedigree to carry the title. Man put it on him. Of course he was terrified when the truth came out. You see, things started to shake. I want us to look at the two key groups of religious leaders that he just talked about, that we just read about. Let me tell you about the chief priests. Why were they called upon? They headed the 24 main orders of priests who lived in and around the city. These are men that knew what was happening in the temple, they understood it in and out. These men, they had answers. The scribes, the teachers of the law, these were Jewish scholars who had studied the first five books in and out. They knew it line by line, word by word, and they knew how to apply it to life. You think they had answers? You better believe they did. So what do they do? Where is the Christ to be born? Tell us, we're here, where is he? And this is what they said. In Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet Micah, and this is what it says, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means, stop right there, that's unusual verbiage to be in the Bible. You by no means. Who says that? Well, let me tell you what it means. Bethlehem. Do you remember the scripture said, can anything good come out of Bethlehem? 
lamb. Right here it says, by no means. Here's what we're talking about. This city has been transformed. You see, because it's going to be the birthplace of the Messiah. By no means. Least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler. Who will shepherd my people Israel. He will not only rule. It says he's going to shepherd. What does that mean? Shepherd is an image of a ruler of God's people that appeared commonly in the Old Testament. It implies guidance, pastoral care, and compassion. Basically, everything that has been prophesied about Jesus, Herod is not. Herod, Herod had a man-made title. Jesus was given his by God Almighty. Don't be too quick. Don't be too quick to accept a promotion from man and confuse that with God's favor. Don't be too quick. Don't be too quick to accept a promotion by man and confuse that with the favor of God. You have to know the difference. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. The word here for star, watch this, is phano in the Greek. And it, the meaning is this. It lights up like lightning. It lights up like lightning. That same word is used in Matthew 24, 27. You need to write that down and go back and look at that. It's the same word. And there it is used as this. Blazing out of nowhere, that thing drops. Do you know what it is? It's Shekinah glory. Amen. I'm going to prove that. Herod sent them to Bethlehem. He said, go and search dil diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word so that I too may come and worship. Now, my mother used to tell me there were two kinds of lies. The first lie is by accident. The second lie is a bold-faced lie. And you know what that means? In your face, and I'm meant to do it. Well, that's what Herod just did. He told a bold-faced lie. He had no intentions of bowing down to a toddler nor anybody else. After listening to the king, verse 9, they went on their way and behold the star that they had seen in the east, which is considered a supernatural phenomenon. When it rose, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. No real star could do that. This is a star, the Shekinah glory, that we read about in the Old Testament during the Exodus. It was the glory cloud in the day and a pillar by night that led the people of Israel. Do you remember the story? So here again, we see the glory cloud. Yes. 
and it led them. So we have Gentiles guided by a prophet, guided by Old Testament scripture, guided by the supernatural presence of the glory of God, enthusiastically and authentically looking for the real king. Did you hear that? We have Gentiles trying to find the real king. They know Herod ain't it. He's not even a Jew. Sit down. Verse 10. Verse 10 says, Oh, when they saw the star, we are told that they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, stop right there. Going into the house. It did not say going into a barn, a stable. Going into the house, we've already passed that. They weren't at the birth. Okay? So if you've got those wise men, put them in another room. They don't belong there. Move them. They'll come later. Put them in another room. Verse 11 says, And going into the house, not the stable, they saw the child, not the baby. This is significant. They saw the child, not the baby. Don't you know if it were a baby, they would have said baby. No, they saw the child. With Mary, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped. I want to tell you something about those two words. They fell down. It means that they fell down violently and shattered. They did not fall down on their knees and worship that sweet little baby, toddler. They didn't do that. It says they fell down. They threw themselves down violently and they were completely shattered in the presence of a toddler. That's what it says. Get your head around that. The toddler, the king. The presence of his divinity filled them with exceedingly great joy. Verse 10 says that. The presence of his divinity. Did I... Do I need to remind you they're Gentile? They have no idea. But when you walk into the presence of God, I don't care if you have any idea exactly what you're walking into. You cannot deny the presence of God Almighty. Period. Period. This is why you see, I got to get off just a minute. This is why you see folks, they get healed in the presence of God and they don't even know who he is. Because the presence of God is so powerful, you walk into it and things have to shift. They traveled miles to get in his presence. We don't know how long this journey took, but we know one thing. They showed up and they were expecting something when they got there. Do we show up expecting when we get here? Would we walk for days? Would we ride a camel for days to get into the presence of God? Would you? These grown, wealthy, intelligent men 
collapsed in the presence of God Almighty, a child. Despite their pagan background and their influence in the Persian government and the Persian courts, they recognized and worshiped the child at that moment for who he was because they knew, watch this, without knowing. Sometimes you can know without knowing. Think about it just a minute. One day, every billionaire, one day, every college professor, one day, every atheist will fall down on their face and worship what they don't even understand. Doesn't matter. You will do it. That's the end of the story. It will happen. These prominent men fell down. I can just imagine like blubbering toddlers themselves. Verse 11. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts. Gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, I want to talk to you about these gifts. Please don't get tied up in what you think each gift represents. We do this all the time. Don't do that. That's not, it'll get you sidetracked. What is the real deal about the gifts? It is, they gave, those three gifts were the absolute best that Persia had to offer. They didn't know this child and they brought the best that they had and they didn't even know him. Let me show you what they did. Mm. You know, sometimes we come into worship distracted. We don't bring our best. And we know him. Did you hear me? They don't know him. And they brought the absolute best thing that they had. To offer it. And we come in with our distraction. We come in with our list from the kids for Christmas. We didn't get it all done. When we leave here, we've got to run to Target. Stop. And I'm here to tell you, the presence of God is so strong in this room right now. And if your mind is at Target right now, I'm going to leave that right there. That's between you and him. I can't. I just said that, didn't I? Okay. I want to show you what happened. It says that they opened their treasures and they poured them out on a king. On the king. It is believed that when the Magi traveled, you're not ready for this. If it took them nine months, which we suspect that it did, Kim. If it took them nine months to get there, let me tell you what they did. They would take nine months worth of goods. And then they would take into account nine months back. So that's 18 months worth of gold. Worth of, okay, you get the picture. 
And then guess what they did? They doubled it in case there was a crisis. So when we read that they poured out their treasures, let me tell you what that means. They poured out the overflow. They poured out the emergency excess. The not just what they needed to survive, not just how they would get home. They gave him everything they had. It's like stripping your clothes off and giving it all. That's what they did. That changes everything to me. Oh, they came expecting to get something. And they came expecting to leave something. Listen, you cannot separate worship and giving. You never can. You cannot separate worship and giving. I want to clarify something really quick. So we talk about three gifts. Just because there were three gifts does not mean there were three wise men. The word of God does not say that. It says three gifts were brought. And it does not say three men delivered them. This is important. So that makes me crazy. It makes me crazy. Please don't do that to me. Okay. I didn't get a single one this year of those. Okay. Most theologians believe, are you ready? This is what they believe happened when the Magi showed up with three gifts. They believe they brought the whole posse. Let me tell you what that looks like. Several thousand soldiers. Not three men on a camel. These are influential, very wealthy men. They're not going to do this alone. It's not safe. Is it? That's silliness. Okay, back to the story. I know she's showing me the time. Okay, I got to get to the... I'm on page five. Okay, I'm going to hurry, okay? But this is really good. Is it not? Oh, I just want to eat it. Okay, all right. Sit down, Chanel. Okay. So they believe that there were 7,000 soldiers riding on magnificent steeds. Have you ever seen a Persian horse? And they came with servants and slaves and cooks and every kind of craftsman that you can come up with. They brought the posse with them. They did not sneak in and sneak out without anybody noticing them. Oh, they showed up and they were looking for the king of the Jews. So verse 12 says, And being warned divinely in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their own country by another way. I have to show you something very important right here. Verse 2 says this, The wise men ask, This would be a good time to put your belt on because this is crazy. The wise men ask in verse 2. Do you remember I told you they ask the men, the two groups? They ask the wise men, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? So before... Oh, so before they worshiped, 
They had to ask where he was. But after they worshiped, it says right here that they were warned in a dream. So did you get that? Before they had been in his presence, they had to ask, where is he? Where is he? But once he got in the presence of Almighty God, there was no asking because his presence showed up and spoke. Oh, Jesus. If you are not a worshiper, you will always have to ask somebody else. You'll always have to ask somebody else. But once you get into his presence, he'll speak to you himself. Oh, I believe this is the reason. a good place, isn't it? I'm sitting here going, I don't know. Should I get this rest of our little nuggets right here? I don't know. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you this. Kim, tell me when I can stop. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Verse 13. Oh, there's so much. There's so much. How have we missed this? Okay. Maybe it's just me, but anyway, verse 13. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. And he said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. Why on earth did he go to Egypt? Do you know how far that is? And they don't have any money. Well, there was that one thing. Remember those three gifts I told you about? That was way more than enough to get them over the next year, which is believed to be the length of time before Herod died. They had 36 months worth of provision. They only needed 12. (laughs) They only needed 12. Why did they have to go to Egypt? Hmm. Do you remember that scripture that says, Oh, out of Egypt, I called my son. That's why they had to go to Egypt. You see, it was fulfilling prophecy. They had plenty enough sources. I really am pushing right here. 16 says, then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he became furious and he sent and he killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all the region that were two years old and under. Every time I read this, it makes me sick to my stomach because in my head, I'm thinking there's thousands of toddler boys that were murdered If one was murdered, it's horrendous. But given the small size, this is not going to make you feel too much better, but a little bit. Given the small size of Bethlehem and the rural surroundings in the region, it's more likely to have been closer to 10 to 30 toddler boys. I know it makes you breathe a little bit, but based on the size of the area where we're talking about, we're probably looking closer to 10 to 30 children. 
You see, as Herod grew older, he became increasingly paranoid about threats upon himself and the throne. And so he just had people killed. You know, fear will make you do crazy things. People can make you do crazy things too. You know, we learn from the Magi that there are wrong places to look for Christmas. So where do you look? Your level of joy at Christmas is directly related to where your eyes are focused. The Magi started by looking in the wrong place. They looked where human reasoning said that they should look. It told them because of the star, it indicated the birth of the baby in Israel. The Magi went where kings should be born, the palace of Herod the Great. Oh, that was never going to be the case. But you see, it was a horrible mistake they made. But just because you think a particular thing doesn't mean that particular thing is correct and is going to line up like that. See, that's where the baby should have been born. But prophecy tells us otherwise. And we're tempted to look for joy in the wrong place just like they did. We're very tempted right now, aren't we? The Magi looked in the right place when they looked to God. But the trip to Jerusalem was not a total loss. When we place our eyes on people, we're going to get disappointed every time. When we place our eyes on the gift that we can't give or the thing we didn't receive, we're going to be disappointed every single time. So I want us to allow the men. What is that song that I told Pastor Angela, don't sing that song. We three men of Orient. Yeah, yeah, we three cranks. Okay, all right, don't sing that. <clears throat> okay, what? I have to stop. So since I'm gonna stop, I'm gonna fast forward and I'm gonna talk about this question so then we're done, okay? <clears throat> you ready? I don't think you're ready. <laughs> okay. Remember I asked you how Mary and Joseph traveled to Bethlehem? If somebody right now could open their Bible and show me that there was a donkey anywhere in that Christmas story, I'm going to need to see it because we don't have a single, there's not one single nugget of truth in that story. See if you can find a donkey right there. She was not riding a donkey. If you can find it, show me. Could she have ridden a donkey? Have you ever seen a donkey? <laughs> My husband's a veterinarian, and this is what he said. Now, when you ride a horse, you know how they have that little small, sweet gait? You know what a donkey looks like? They are plodding, and you're just everywhere. I'd rather walk. Could she have ridden a donkey? Maybe, but it's not in the Bible. You're kidding. I know, right? Here's the second one. Which animals did the Bible say were present at Jesus' birth? Y'all voted and you told me cows, donkeys, and sheep. You're wrong. You're wrong. 
wrong. There is no evidence that there were any animals at all at the manger. It's not in the word. Who told you that? Is this eye-opening? Good. Here's the third one. Baby Jesus cried when y'all decided that he never cried. You need to buckle up. You ready? You told me he never cried. Who told you that? I'm going to tell you where you got it. You ready? You're not going to believe where you came to that conclusion. You are. Who said that? You're grounded. All right, you ready? Here it is. Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. This is where you got this. The stars in the sky looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. Listen, the cattle are lowing. What? The baby awakes. But the little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. That is not in the Bible. Stop it. Stop it. Do you know when that was written? In the late 1800s. Stop it. Kim, sit down. She's about to run. Okay, last statement. We're closing. Who's closing me? Felicia. Okay. (laughs) Kim. Okay. Here it is. You ready? You don't have to get your information from somebody else. Because do you see what happens when you do that? There's no animals. There's no donkey. And he cried. He was a human at that point. Yes. He cried like every other baby. Of course he did. It doesn't say he didn't. It's that Christmas carol you've been singing. You do not have to get your information or your answers from anybody else. So don't. Once the wise men had an encounter, once they got into his presence, God spoke to them directly. You don't have to receive secondhand information and act like it's the gospel. I've already proved we do it all the time. If you hear a thing and it doesn't line up with your spirit, your spirit, get in the word and see if they're telling the truth. Right? I can't. Go to the word. What did those wise men do? What did they do? They didn't know how to get in the word, but you know what they did? They went to two groups of people that did. They didn't know how. If you don't know how, go to somebody that does. Go straight to the word. Get in his presence and get the truth for yourself. Three men and a toddler. Three men, are you sure? Merry Christmas. And that concludes today's sermon. Thanks again for joining the Restoration Church podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church, please visit our website by going to r4sq.org. We pray you have a great week. God bless.